announcements before we get into stuff? Yes, well, um, to all of the women out there, this Thursday, March 7th, is our Women's International Day of Prayer and Fasting. Um, the theme is Better for God, and so we get the opportunity to join women all over the world um, in a day of prayer and fasting, and I want to encourage us to just pray that God will put something on our hearts that he wants us to better ourselves personally for him, but also together as sisters. <coughs> But then not just stop there. I want to encourage us to include other sisters in that time. So maybe you call up a friend and you pray together. Maybe at night you, you call each other and you pray and then you share what God has put on your heart. So that's this Thursday, uh, March 7th. Amen. Uh, on Saturday, March 23rd, we're going to have our spring work day. Um, yeah. The, the record high is 91 degrees, so hopefully we can get somewhere close to there for once in a weekend. Um, it's going to start It's gonna start at 10. Uh, rain or shine, we're going to be here, so if it rains, don't use that as an excuse to not come. Uh, and we're going to get a lot done and keep your building looking nice. So, thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jackson. Uh, we also, we have Congregational Midweek this Wednesday, 7.30 here at the building. And uh, I do believe there's going to be a team fundraiser coming up toward the end of March. So there will be more details uh, to come. Uh, amen. Let's go ahead and pray and then get into God's word this morning. Father, thank you so much for uh, helping us still be able to come together, God. It, it's so encouraging seeing uh, people really sacrifice to come be together as we worship you, commune with you and with one another. Uh, God, open our hearts to your word this morning. I pray that everybody here can really uh, be inspired and encouraged and convicted by something shared from your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're closing out our series, our love-driven series uh, today. And, uh, you know, our intent through this time, I know we've had some interruptions with weather and marriage retrieve and stuff like that, but the intent of this series has really been for us to Get a focused time on the cross so that it will help us understand who God is, uh, but also really help us be able to look at an example, right? Because kind of the point through this is that the cross really motivates us, but it also eliminates all excuses, right? Regardless of our life situation, none of us will ever be able to look at Jesus and say, yeah, but Jesus, you don't, you don't get it. You don't get how difficult this person is to deal with or you don't you know you don't get how exhausted or stressed I am or you don't get what it's like to be single right you know whatever our life situation is none of us will ever be able to really look to Jesus I guess with an excuse because the cross really eliminates all excuses Jesus set the perfect example at the cross and therefore it's the perfect thing for us to spend a, a significant amount of time focusing on looking for an example and uh, our first lesson, we really looked at who God was. And we talked about how God is just, right? God expects, there, there is an expectation to fulfill a relationship. And when there's not, there's punishment to be expected. And uh, God is righteous. And we talked about how righteousness is fulfilling your end of the deal. And God always fulfills his end of the relationship. But we seem to constantly be doing the opposite. Uh, however, in spite of all that, God came down, died on the cross, taking our punishment, satisfying his justice 
but also really uh, magnifying his love for us. A really powerful thing. And then uh, Brett preached on the, the humility Jesus showed on the cross. How Jesus was never too good for anything. He didn't think of himself too highly. Even the king of the universe, right, was willing to come down and be a servant. And last week we looked at unity. How Jesus died on the cross in order to break barriers and unify his body. And uh, he died for unity and he calls us to make every effort to be unified. And we ask the question, are you building barriers or are you building unity? And today we're going to be talking about an aspect shown by Jesus on the cross that is such an amazing example, but honestly so challenging to imitate. And uh, this is actually something for me that is extre- you know, has, has been extremely challenging. So I'm not really preaching at us this morning as much as I am sharing with you guys some of the things I'm trying to work on, some of the things I'm studying out. We're going to be talking about patience this morning. You know, it was this morning. This, it's just like the moment that I thought about preaching on this, it was just a constant test of patience. I'm shoveling the snow. And you know when you kind of you get into a rhythm of shoveling and you're just pushing this, and then you hit that crack in the sidewalk and it just stops everything and that happened like 10 times in a row and I just wanted to just throw my the shovel right just throw the thing but I was like I'm about I'm getting ready to preach on patience you know it's not the sidewalk's fault just you know but it's not a coincidence right and in first Corinthians the first characteristic of love is patience Right, and so we're talking about being love-driven. I think I think it would be hard to call myself. You know, I'm a loving person, but I'm not a patient person, right? Because the two kind of go hand in hand. And uh, the phrase to me that best conceptualizes patience is long fuse. Long fuse, right? Think about a a bomb, a firecracker, whatever it is. With a long fuse. And I think we have to ask ourselves this morning, how long is your fuse? Right? How long does it take you to snap? Whatever that looks, snapping looks like to you, right? Uh, maybe it's just completely shutting down. Maybe it's getting short. Maybe it's getting kind of rude or kind of sassy. Maybe it's raising your voice. Whatever. Whatever it is for you. How long is your fuse before you kind of snap? And, and, and we all have different interactions with all kinds of people and in all types of situations throughout the day and throughout the week. And these types of interactions can really just, they can push our buttons in different ways, right? You know, for me, golfing really uh, sets me off, right? Um, I remember for Katie's, I think it was her 30th, no, 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 no. It wasn't that, it was way, it was a long time ago. Uh, It was probably four years ago. You know, uh, yeah, I, I think I've gotten a little, I've gotten, we, I've been golfing four years, that's how I know. But uh, it was her birthday, we, we went out golfing, and she's been golfing since she was like four or five, uh, so she is much better than I am, but uh, you know, when we started dating, that's when I started golfing, because you know, her brother shoots like in the high 70s, her dad shot in the low 80s, she shot in the 80s, so I, I go out there and I just whip on this ball and humiliate myself, and I was like, I gotta golf, all right, I gotta start doing this. So I started practicing, and I thought, you know, for a couple of years, I was getting better. I was getting better. We go out for her birthday, and I just played horrible. And I remember after a couple holes, I just I threw my driver, and, uh, and she's like, you know, it, we could just we could just go home. Like, we don't, we don't I don't know if this would be an encouraging 
birthday. You know, so golfing is one of those things that really, uh, you know, stubbing my toe, stepping on kids' toys around the house, but nothing more so than my dog barking. Her bark just reaches down into your soul and just punches you in the gut, right? It's just... But I think we've got to really ask ourselves, right, how, what, what sets you off? How long is your fuse? How long is it before you kind of snap? Maybe it's a bad driver. Maybe, I, I don't know. But that's what we've got to figure out. And God is such a great example of having a long fuse. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm going to read a significant portion of this chapter because it just it, it exemplifies what we're talking about today. In verse 15 of Nehemiah chapter 9. It says, in their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. And in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked. They did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is our God who brought us out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemy. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on them the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky. You brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands along with their kings and the people of the land to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possessions of houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They revealed in your great goodness. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on the law. They killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemy. So you delivered them into the hands of your enemies who oppressed them. But when they oppressed, when they were oppressed, they cried out to you from heaven. You heard them, and in your great compassion, you gave them deliverance, who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they would rule over them. And when they cried out again, you heard them from heaven, and in your compassion, you delivered them. Time after time, you warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant 
and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, which you said the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them. By your spirit, you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are gracious and merciful God. Wow. How, how long is God's fuse? Right? I mean, this, this chapter is basically just a, it's just an overview of you loved them, you took care of them, they disobeyed, they were stiff-necked, they rebelled, they cried out, you loved them, you were compassionate with them, you didn't destroy them, you were there for them. Then when they got what they wanted, they rebelled again. And it's just, oh, and it, you know, but God, you never... You never just, you never snap. A loving person has a long fuse with others regardless of what they deserve. Right? Because being patient with someone doesn't mean that they deserve to have you be patient with them. And it doesn't mean that what they're doing isn't wrong or isn't annoying. It means that in spite of what they deserve, you don't lash out. You don't snap. You don't quit. You don't treat them how they deserve. How long is your fuse? You know, I want to look at just a few instances at the cross where we can see, I think this might have been where Jesus probably could have snapped. No, I think this might. We're just going to look at some of those and really look at the patience that Jesus showed on the cross. Matthew 26, verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Listen to what Jesus said. Put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I could not call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Matthew 26, verse 67. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Matthew 27, verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who's called Messiah, Pilate asked. They called, crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Chapter 27, verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. They gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns, set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put on his clothes, and led him away to crucify him. And if you read in verse 39, the 
talks about how as he was on the cross, people walked by and insulted him, and even the criminals next to him were mocking him. Gosh, what, what a great example, the perfect example of that long fuse shown on the cross, right? I, I don't think any of us could ever look to Jesus and just, yeah, but Jesus, you just don't, right? I don't think we'll ever have an excuse to really snap. Jesus was falsely accused. He was mistreated. He was physically tortured. He was spit on. He was abandoned by his friends. The religious leaders that should have been the most loving were the ones leading the charge. And he never, he never snapped, right? That long fuse. And so I've got a couple tips for us this morning. Just two, two quick tips that I think will help us lengthen our fuse. Right? Because I think when we look at the cross, it's almost like, you know, there's no way, right? But I, I think we can at least learn to lengthen our fuse. And so that's what these tips are for. The first, when you're dealing with other people to have a longer fuse, learn their story. Yeah. Right? There's always a story behind an action. You know, I remember when I was teaching in Baldwin, there's this one eighth grade kid that was just, he was difficult. He was difficult to work with. Um, he was fine one moment, and the next moment would just do something totally off the wall. Really smart, but uh, would almost purposely just blow a test, would turn in homework and get hundreds on it, and then the next week wouldn't turn in anything. Um, would it, it was just really frustrating. You try to have a conversation, it doesn't go anywhere, uh, kind of lashing out at different times. And uh, I remember getting ready for the parent-teacher conference, and only one of uh, the, the student's parents showed up. And that's when I learned that earlier that year, his other parent had committed suicide. And I'm like, here's an eighth grade kid who walked in and saw one of his parents that had committed suicide. You know, when you learn somebody's story, it kind of helps you lengthen your fuse, doesn't it? You know, Proverbs 14, 29, it says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Patience comes from really understanding. You know, last week when David uh, Jung was in town doing different workshops over the weekend, one of the things he said was, you know, rather than say, you know, why are they doing this? Rather than asking that question, ask, I wonder what happened to them to make them respond in this way. And it's this whole idea of rather than being quick to act or quick to snap or quick to get frustrated, learn their story. Guys, I think if we can really learn people's stories that we're dealing with, that will help us lengthen our fuse. The second tip is remember your story. You know, I'd say that around the ages of 16 to 22 are probably hands down the years where, where the, uh, um, the years of stupidity, we'll call it that. How about that? 16 <laughs> to 22, right? Uh, and it's interesting, though, the further you get away from ages 16 to 22, the more we tend to rewrite our own history, right? <laughs> I would never do this, all right? Right? Uh, and we like to think that when we were 16 to 22, we weren't all that bad. And working with college kids for 10 years, 
I don't think I've ever worked with a college kid that has done something that I hadn't done. Yeah. I mean, just, just to be frank. And I always have to remind myself of that because at the older you get, you're working with younger people and it's just like, what are, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but then you have to take a step back and you're like, I did basically the exact same thing. Sometimes working with, uh, working with college students that are dating, right? It's just like, dude, oh my gosh, these, this guy, these guys are just, they're obsessed. They're just consumed with this relationship. They don't get any advice. The advice they do get, they don't listen to. Like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And it's just like, I was the, yeah, I did that. I was the exact same way. <laughs> And that, that doesn't necessarily make what a person is doing right, but it does help you lengthen your fuse, right? Because you remember like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. And so guys, we have to remember our story. You know, if you remember uh, those sin assessments that we did a few weeks back, you know, looking over that, can any of us honestly, do any of us honestly have a right to kind of snap at someone else? We really don't. We really don't. And so, guys, we've got to remember our story. And I think if we can follow these two really simple practicals, but kind of remind ourselves when we're working with different people, maybe that's your spouse, maybe that's your kids, maybe that's your coworkers, maybe it's a person driving on the road, whatever, if you can learn their story or at least be curious to what their story is, oh, my gosh, this guy's speeding. Like, what the – you know, maybe – I wonder why they're in such a rush, right? Learn their story <laughs> and remember your story. Yeah, you know what? There's been times where I've been speeding to try to get somewhere, right? Th that will help, the, help us lengthen our fuse, amen? And so as we kind of conclude, as we kind of conclude our series here, we've got to remember, guys, that the cross should motivate us, but it also, it eliminates all excuses, when we look at the example Jesus set on the cross, Jesus' humility, his patience, his forgiveness, his endurance, his obedience, the efforts he went to to save others, the seriousness in which he dealt with sin. You know, it doesn't matter. You can look at all these different things. It really does eliminate all excuses. But I think we have to ask ourselves, what effect does the cross have on me? You know, it, it makes me think of this story I heard a little a, a little while ago. It's about Dirk Willems, okay? Dirk Willems grew up in basically a Roman Catholic world. And he decided to get baptized as an older boy when infant baptism was everything, right? That, that was just the norm. That was the common teaching. And so he decided to get baptized as he grew older and had a greater understanding and really repented. And then he started to teach other people. And there were other people in the area that were getting baptized at an older age where there was more understanding, more faith, more repentance. But uh, the Roman Catholics weren't having it, right? And so uh, they uh, arrested him. They rejected him from the Roman Catholic Church. He was put in prison. And as time went by, he was in there for a while, he collected rags. And so over time he, he tied these rags together and he used them to climb out of the window to escape. But it was in the middle of winter. It was the, this prison was surrounded by this moat and so he had to walk across a bunch of ice. 
Now, fortunately, because he'd been in prison for so long, he had lost a significant amount of weight. So he was able to walk across the ice. And one of the prisoners finally saw him and decided to chase after him, but he fell through the ice. And so Dirk Willems saw it, turned back, and rescued the guy out of the freezing water. Now, we all kind of think we know where this, how this story should end, but that guard ended up arresting him, taking him back to prison, and in 1569 and May 16th, he was burned at the stake. And something about that story just doesn't seem right. It doesn't sit well with us, right? Because when, when someone saves your life, there's an appropriate response, right? And something about that response, hey, thanks for saving my life, but I'm still going to take you back and you're going to be executed. It just doesn't seem right. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, does the cross have an effect on me? Do I have an appropriate response to Jesus saving my life, to the love that he showed me on the cross? And we see Paul have a similar reaction. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. And he goes on to talk about, I, I worked harder than everybody because of the love shown me on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are we love-driven? Right, Because we clearly see the love of Jesus shown on the cross for us. Driven to be patient, driven to be humble, to be forgiven by love for us, to endure. Are we driven by love for him? And as we close out our series, you're going to go to God in prayer. But before we do, I'd like to I'd like to close with where we started this series by, by reading Isaiah chapter 53, verse four. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit on his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, 
He will divide the spoils with the strong because he was poured out. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Guys, let's go to God in prayer and we'll close our service with one more song. Father, thank you so much for how much you love us. God, thank you for how righteous you are, God. You always hold up your end of the relationship. And God, I'm so sorry for our sin, for my sin. I'm so sorry that we constantly don't fulfill our end of the relationship. And God, I'm thankful that you're just. Uh, but God, I'm also so grateful that out of your great love for us that I do not understand, you came down and took our punishment. And God, I, I'm so grateful for the cross. God, it, it's, it's, our, it's our central message. It's what, it's what motivates us. It's what guides us. And God, I'm thankful that we have Jesus' example that he set on the cross. God, that we can, no matter what we're going through in life, look to the cross to see the perfect example of how to handle it. God, I'm so thankful for your patience. I'm so thankful that over hundreds and thousands of years, God, your fuse is so long. And I pray that we can lengthen our fuse. God, that we would, that we would be uh, uh, slow to anger. God, that we would learn people's stories, that we'd remember our stories, that we look at the patience that you showed on the cross. God, I'm thankful for your humility. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I'm thankful for your attitude towards sin and how extreme you went to dealing with it. God, I'm thankful for the efforts that you made to, to uh, help people gain salvation. I pray that we can imitate that. God, I'm thankful for your endurance. I, I can't imagine the exhaustion and the depression and the disappointment that you dealt with on the cross, but you persevere because you love us, God. God, we're so grateful for the cross, and I pray that out of a love for you and out of a love for others, we would be driven to imitate you. Father, we love you. We need you. We're so grateful for you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together for one closing song.